Thank you for being with us today. We would love to have you join us in person. To partner with us or to give online, go to www.upperroomohio.com. We hope you enjoy this message. It's been a good few weeks. Josh started us off in February with uh, relationships, healthy relationships, focusing on Jesus as the top relationship. Jesus is our number one priority, not having false idols. He's kicked off even a nighttime uh, Sunday night, Sunday evening class called Healthy Relationships. And that's been building momentum each week. More people come. So that's tonight, right, Josh? That continues at what, 6.30? 6 o'clock, 6 p.m., healthy relationships. So we just thought it'd be great in the month of love, the month of February, to talk about healthy relationships. So we went the next two weeks then really, really talking about worship. Had a different plan to talk about relationships, but the Lord uh, kind of just nudged us into digging wells of worship and still focusing on Jesus as our number one relationship, Jesus number one. So digging those wells of worship, and when bad times come, when circumstances come, when distraction comes, we can draw from that well that was established, that well that was dug. So Steve last week continued that talking about digging wells as community, and then drawing from those wells as community, and, and you're not in this alone, and we've got each other's backs, and there's times to engage, and we get to sharpen each other's iron and pull from each other and, and, and encourage one another and, and build each other up. That's family. That's what a church should look like. That's what community looks like. So it was really exciting. Now, those are not going to be published because somehow the media cards all got deleted. So um, if you missed it, it was just a word for the house for that day. <laughs> so ask somebody who was here to get that. So somehow uh, things just keep happening. So anyway, here we are this week, and I'm going to go back to the original week. I was going to talk about uh, really community, culture, culture, uh, and the difference between culture and atmosphere today. It's more of a teaching today than it is an evangelistical, like, preaching and, and things like that. But I want to teach on the importance of family, and we're just going to start in Genesis 1. God started with family. He died on the cross to connect the family, and he returns for a family. You know, he, he started with relationship, started with relationship even on the earth with Adam and Eve. He started with the bride. He died to connect the bride back to the father, and he returns for a bride. And, and that's, that's the heart of our house is we're not looking for more members. We're looking for family. We're not trying to start a, you know, we're not trying to create a structure of business or an organization. There's nothing wrong with being organized, and we're making efforts in that. But we don't want to be an organization. We want to be a family. Family is the model of God. Family is what heaven looks like. Family is the structure that God's raising up here. And, and we don't want to just be a church building that meets on Sunday. We want to be a family that's, that's rooted and grounded in love. You guys are great. We're getting it. So uh, let's go to um, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. And then we'll pick back up at 31. So Genesis 1, God started uh, this plan with family. And this is the first let us. So we're just going to start from the first, and then we're going to fast forward to the very next, let us. So the first one, it says, Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make man in our image, after uh, our likeness. Now here's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They're throwing a party and creating human beings, not human doings. 
That we get to be still and know that he's God. That it's not a performance system, but we were literally made in his likeness, in his rest, in his love. So we were made just to be. We were made in his image. So, so he had a dream and he wrapped all of our bodies around it. Before the ends of the earth, before all of this was established, we were, before we were knit together in our mother's womb, he created us. We were his thought. We were his happy thought. You know, we were his delight. We were his pleasure. We were his craftsmanship. And he fearfully and wonderfully made each of us in his image. So here's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit coming together in unity to create each one of us unique and different, but yet so much alike for the intention to bring him glory, to be intimate with him, to have relationship with him, to be one with him, right? To, To glorify him, to make him famous. And all of a sudden, he just pours out his love on us. Then it goes on to say, it says, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And it says in verse 27, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him. Male and female, he created them. And it says this, 28, And God blessed them. Isn't that amazing to know that from the, from the beginning of creation, we were blessed. We were blessed and we were created to be a blessing. And this is just the foundation of of creation that we were blessed. And then it goes on to say, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing. Now we move on to verse 31. And I love this thought too. It says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. His creation, everything, how all of the cosmos you know, comes together and interacts with one another. But us as human beings, as, as, as sons and daughters, as male and female, it says that he blessed us and he was very pleased with us. He, behold, you know, it was good. And then, then it goes on to say, um, and there was evening and there was morning and the sixth day. So here God, he's creating this, this system. He's creating this culture called family. He's creating this 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 reproduction, this multiplication um, um, plan so that we can fulfill his, his, his commission in us to multiply, fill the earth. And then later on, he gives us purpose and, and all of these things, but we were created for his pleasure. We were created for him and, and we weren't created alone. Like, that's a beautiful thing, that, that we were not only created to be in companionship and intimacy and love with the Father and the Creator and Jesus, but we were also created for each other. At one point, if you, if you read more in depth in the story, it says Adam was lonely. He was alone, so, so out of him he created Eve. So even though we were created for God's pleasure, we were also created for each other's pleasure, to help one another, to encourage one another. That's community. That's creation. That's, that's, you're not in this fight alone. You're not in life alone. You belong at the table. Let, let me just, God didn't make a mistake when he made you. Come on. Come on. There was a young man in, in here first service, John Reed. If you don't know him, you need to get to. Just an amazing man. He's journeyed with us for years. And he's got such a great story and still in process. And, and he, he was a product of rape. His mom was raped and, and boom, here comes John. Let me just tell you that no matter how on earth your, your, your thing happened, God didn't make a mistake when he planted life in that mother. Like, no matter what, he doesn't make a mistake with life. Like, life is intentional, and it's so wonderful and beautiful, and he doesn't make a mistake. You know, I was joked around as a kid that I was an accident or the oops baby. 
And I'll be honest, I began to believe these lies and I never knew it till years ago. Like there's a few years, there's actually several years between me and my other siblings. A lot of years between me and my siblings. <laughs> I think six, so either way. But they're all, they're all here right now. <laughs> I said at first service, I was like, they're not here, I can just, you know, I was like, they're old and, you know, but I'm just joking. You know, it's funny, the older you get, the less that margin makes a difference. And then the younger, like, the, the older young looks. Like, anyway, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, when you push 40, like, 50 is no longer old. But when you're 20, 50 is old. You're like, you know what I mean? So, so anyway, they would be like, just joke around that, you know, six years later, six and a half years later, here comes Aaron. And then I realized, like, that messed with me. Like, man, that was an accident. I wasn't even really planned for this earth. But then the Lord spoke to me one day in prayer. He's like, you were purposefully placed here. You were here for a purpose. You were intentionally put here. You were never an accident. You were never an oops. You were a plan. You know, and that's for each of us, no matter how we're here. So let me fast forward because there's a, there's a connection here that at times we think we've got it together and we think we have a plan and we think we know how to do things and can do it better on our own as humanity. At times, you know, in the Bible, you see, well, well, you know, they wanted a king. You know, here God's saying, well, I'm the king of kings, but if you want a king, all right, uh, Saul. Yep, he'll do it here. It's the best I got, Saul. And they end up with Saul. Well, there's another story in the Bible that's similar, and I want to go to Genesis 11. This is the next let us. Genesis 11, 1 through 9, ESV says it like this. Now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. So here God's saying, let us make man and people and man is saying, let us make a building. So God's saying, let us make man so that we can have relationships, so we can have community, so that I can have intimacy, and that I can have this, this amazing structure of family. But yet we have man saying, let us make a tower to make us famous. Let us make religion. Let us make a structure and try to fit God in it. And God's saying, let us make man to put God in you. So then it goes on to say, it says, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have one, all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the languages of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of the earth. And listen, basically they're building an idol. And Josh talked about some of the things about idols and, and our ministry to Jesus first. Coming from, like the context of ministry to Jesus first is from the Ten Commandments. Yep. First, love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Don't put anything above God. It's summarized then, and the Pharisees say, well, what's the greatest commandment trying to trick Jesus? And Jesus says, love the Lord God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Meaning, we're going to be in communities with neighbors. <laughs> Whether that's a church community, a work community, a community at a hospital where you serve or work, or, or school, or a family in your home. That's community. Your neighborhood is also community. So love your neighbor as yourself in community. Meaning, love yourself, but love God first. Love God with everything you've got. So here we have this thing, and, and God's saying, well, listen, if they take me out of the picture, they're just going to keep doing things on their own. So he created the different languages and sent them. He confused them all. Now, Nicole, we, we get to travel the nations and, and get to do a lot of fun things. And sometimes when a, a nation invite comes in, she, her first question is, do they speak English? <laughs> because she gets so frustrated when she feels like the Lord has something for somebody, she can't communicate it. And I'll just always joke around while we're there, Tower of Babel, you know? <laughs> So blame them, you know, this kind of thing. And she's like, at times she will be in Mexico and it'll be just her and Nancy sitting there and they just stare at each other. Because Nancy doesn't speak English, Nicole doesn't speak Spanish, and they just stare at each other. And it's super awkward and Nicole hates it. So usually first question is, do they speak English? Second question is, is there a beach? <laughs> she's smart. Somebody's got to suffer for the cross, right? <laughs> but, but the thing is, like, so then what happened was God sent them out. Now, now, there's this end story that I'll share with you here in a little bit that he gathered them all back together in him. But here's the thing. So, so God's creating this structure. God's creating this system of, of relationship. So God's design was for us to be in relationship, but man created a structure that became religion and wanted to make themselves famous. Uh, in a moment, I'll explain. I'm not against structure, but structure is to facilitate that Jesus is number one. When structure is built to make us famous with our agenda, with our heart, it's religion. It becomes very dangerous. So, so we have a few things here. God's way was relationship. Man's way was materials to make a name. God made us for relationship, but man was building something to make us famous. Babel is a picture of religion building a structure to facilitate relationships when God created people to build relationship. Steve talked a lot about that. Like, and, and I'll get into that about the difference between culture and atmosphere. And, and that covenant costs something. Like covenant costs something. There's a great reward, but there's a cost in covenant. There's a cost in this relationship. It, it, it's not easy. It's, Facebook's easy. Like Facebook's easy. Keyboard warriors, easy. Tip city parents. That's easy stuff. But true relationship and confrontation is hard. But it's worth it. Like, God, God created the system for us to press into love, and even when temptation comes. So, so here's the thing. Like, like, there was confusion. All of a sudden, sin comes. False idols come. The enemy tempted Adam and Eve. Now, before that, they were in a safe environment of home and family in the context of community. And then sin came, and temptation came, and they fell. Now, now sin didn't keep them there. It was shame that kept them there. But before that, they were free to be themselves. That's one of the benefits of family. We'll get a little bit more into this in a moment, but that's one of the benefits. We're free to be us. We celebrate who, who one another is without stumbling over who they're not. That's family. Family is, is loving. Family is, is choosing to love and have honor be the glue that keeps us together. And through that, we may disagree, but we still have unity. See, unity is not conformity. Unity is actually uh, diversity coming together and choosing love and honor regardless. That's unity. That's, that's family. That's love. That's covenant. I'm proud to say that Josh Haas and I, Pastor Josh, like Jesus Josh, PJ, okay, P, PJ, Pastor Josh, and I had our first agreement in history this week. What did I say? First agreement. That'd be a terrible situation. You're like, 
Man, what kind of leadership do you have in this church? We had our first disagreement this week, or this pat the past week. D did I say it again? Disagreement. All right, all right, I'm good. Square it away. And I'm like, Nicole, she's so stressed about this. And she's like, Aaron, like, we've never disagreed with Josh. We've never thought anything he said was wrong. I was like, well, I do. <laughs> and then, so I'm texting Josh, and I'm like, Josh, we may have our first disagreement. Are we still going to have covenant? You know, and like all the emojis and the gifts and all that stuff. Because like we always say, the true test of covenant, and you do not know if you have covenant until you have confrontation. You don't know that. Like, like until you have to press into something hard, until you have to choose love and actually fight for love and fight for unity, it's honestly just a superficial relationship. Come on, somebody. When, do you remember dating or, or with your spouse the first fight you had? Many of us will remember that because now is where rubber meets the road. What are we going to do here? Is this going to divide us and now they go our separate ways? Or now is this the opportunity to show grace, to, to be safe and feel free to share what I feel here and not be judged and not be having that held against me? So Josh and I, we had our first disagreement and we talk on the phone. And first thing he says is like, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not seeing you as wrong. I'm not trying to, to sway you to come believe what I'm believing. I said, same here, brother. I said, but I would love to know your heart. I'd love to have clarity on this situation. I'd love to know the basis and the foundation of what you're saying here. And we begin to just share our hearts. And let me just, I'm proud to tell you that we still have disagreement. <laughs> we agreed on about 95% of after the conversation, but there's still 5% that we landed like, hey, let's just agree to disagree here. It's not a heaven or hell issue. It's not, it's not something that's going to cause problems. We're like, I just disagree with the theology behind that. I disagree with kind of where you stand on that and still don't understand all of it. So we're like, okay, let's take it back to the team, tell them what happened, and let them choose the outcome. That's kind of where we landed. And, but guess what? We love each other. And we love each other more now than ever because we felt free to share our true, raw emotions and feelings, and we chose to love through that process. That's community. That's family. That's, that's the benefit and the reward of covenant is that we're not the same. We're not, we're not our DNA, our personalities, our likeness. When we were made in his image, it was the aspect of his image that he wanted each of us to be individually. But there's these benefits of covenant and these, these rewards of covenant, but there's a cost. There's a cost. But let me, let me go into here. Family. What is family? What is family? And one of the definitions I say of family is it's the organized functioning unit of love. Now is when I go into more of a teaching. What is family? And Nicole and I learned a few years into the ministry here that as senior leaders that we had to define what family was. And then through some hardships and through some misunderstandings and, and unmet expectations, we then had to start to define what family wasn't. But let, me, let me just... Let me go on. If family is the, is the government of heaven and love is the currency, the economy must be relationships. And, and it says, you know, I love saying that the kingdom is a family business that's continuing to grow and multiply in advance. So family is the government of heaven. Family is the picture we get from heaven. Everybody in one place, in one mind, in one accord, worshiping God in Revelations 4 for the same context that he's good. That's family. It's, there's total unity. Now, everybody's probably seeing a different perspective of God in that moment for eternity over and over and over in these different facets and these different, you know, the wonders of who God is. But they're in unity, just worshiping him forever with the same song in their hearts over and over and over. That's family. 
So that's the government of heaven. And if that's the government of heaven, then the economy must be the relationships. Let, let, me, let me just continue on home. Nicole, we were speaking at Bethel Cleveland, and Nicole's like, like saying, there was this quote I heard once about what home was. And she says this quote. And I'm like, that's my quote. I said that. I want credit for this right now. I give everybody else credit for their quotes. So anyway, here's what it is. It's home is not a physical address. You're taking notes. This is just really good. Home is not a physical address. It is an environment that's created with love, joy, protection, comfort, security, identity, purpose, destiny, and a reason to get out of bed in the morning. I call church home, but I don't live here. This is not a physical address that's home to me. It's an environment that's created that I'm free to be me, and that's celebrated even when I make mistakes, but I'm confronted in a healthy way when I hurt somebody. That's home. Home is trying to pull out the greatness in each of us while growing in connection, while pursuing Jesus so that then he can refine us and propel us and equip and empower us to hit our targets for the destinies that we have in each of our lives. And then all of a sudden, all these targets come together for a unified purpose called the kingdom. That's home. Home is a safe place. Home's an environment. Home's this place that's created from love, choosing unity, choosing honor, choosing joy, choosing these things that, yeah, when times get hard, we're still going to pursue connection. Nope, I'm not going to talk about you behind your back. Nope, I'm not going to sow discord against you. Nope, not going to gossip. I'm going to go to you directly. When I'm bragging to somebody else about you, I'm going to tell you too. If I have a thought that irritates me, or if I see something that makes me upset, I'm going to let you know. And I'm going to let only you know. It's a place to be safe. It's a place that's freedom. And Adam and Eve had this in the garden when they were created in his image. And then suddenly the enemy came in with temptation and divided what was happening there. And then suddenly shame came upon them after they sinned and fell to temptation. Then they had to cover themselves. Before that, they were free to be themselves. They were free to share their feelings. They were free to be. Then all of a sudden, shame tries to convince you who you're not. Shame tries to lie to you and tell you who you're not while God's always sitting here telling you of who you are. Yesterday, we had a situation at the house. And, yep, it did involve the chicken coop. So all of a sudden, Hadassah comes running in, yelling, screaming, crying. What happened, Hadassah? What's going on, buddy? Evelyn was mean to me. Oh, no. Have you shared your feelings with her? No. Storm's upstairs. Okay. Evelyn comes in. Evelyn, what happened, buddy? I got mad and I lost my temper. Oh, and I, I knew her path is usually like self-destruction at that point. Oh, thank you. That's amazing. Thanks for sharing your feelings. Thanks for letting me know the truth. Thank you for being honest. Thanks for telling me that you just were inappropriate to Hadassah. Why don't you guys go work that out now? Okay. Never heard another word. Why? Because she felt safe to be herself, and then I celebrated that rather than tearing her apart for who she wasn't in that moment. That's not who God's called her to be. God didn't call her to be a bully dog. God didn't call her to tear apart her sisters. The bride, the body, the, the, the believers and brothers and sisters of Christ are not meant to tear each other apart and pick on each other and kick us while we're down. Like, that's not who we are. We are a body of believers in relationship, in community, in family that's to build each other up. And we get to be like this even in our workplaces. 
We get to be like this even where we shop. We get to be like this even when we're driving down the road and that person cuts us off. Or the one that gets me more than anything, and I think it gets my dad too, is when somebody flips me off and I didn't even deserve it. I'll take the ones I deserve. Like, I'll take that. My bad. I'm sorry. But when I don't deserve it, that's happened three occasions. I remember all three. <laughs> you know, that's the temptation. Like, I'll show you. Dad, can you relate here a little bit? I've seen it. I've driven in a car with you before. I remember I was a little kid, and one time he, like, chased a guy, found him, and got out. I remember. I was scared. I was like, you remember that? In Piqua. I remember exactly where it was. Corner of McKinley and South Street. Am I right? Am I right? We're just real here. Why? Because we're family. Now, he's been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb since then. He's been transformed. He's a new creature in Christ, all right? Get your judgment eyes off of him and me right now. I said the word butthole of Satan. Quit judging me. But here's the deal. Like, like we get to be this body, but let me, let me move on because there is a difference. You belong at the table. You belong. There is a place for you. And the sauce, the dish that you bring absolutely belongs here. And when you're not here, something's missing. When David was not at that table, something was miss missing. He was picked to be king. He was, he was, the Lord had him in line to be king, but he wasn't yet at the table, and they called him to the table. You belong at the table, but it costs something. When you pick a place at that table, there is, there's something to be said about the difficulty of confrontation. It is not easy. Don't, don't think for a second that these confrontations are easy. We worked three years in some of the hardest things pushing into culture and a church than it was the hardest thing we've ever done. Nicole and I, after the three years, were like, man, is it worth it? I remember, and we had a great culture. It was family-driven, and we had love, but there was something about the culture of honor and culture of confrontation. Like, there's a thing that we can say we're family, but if we're not acting it out, even behind scenes, it actually becomes more dangerous to use the language than walk it out. It becomes more dangerous to use the language than if we never used any of it at all and never had that culture. Because now there's a level of expectation of what we're saying family is, but yet this is still happening. So then when you're like, hey, somebody said this to me and offended me. Okay, what did you do about it? What are you going to do about it? Can I expect you to meet with that person within two weeks? Can I get with both of you then? Wait, you're going to ask them? Yeah, because you're bringing this to me. And the Bible says for you to go to directly to them. Well, I just thought you'd handle all my problems. I could just vent to you and just to be fine. No, no, that's not fine because family confronts each other in love because we want to get to the root of the problem and help each other and actually grow in connection in that process. <sighs> fine. Like that was hard. So we didn't know, like we didn't see the fruit of this. We didn't see, see the seeds that had been planted that were bearing fruit. So what was happening is all of a sudden, three years into this, I'm questioning the Lord, like, are we the right ones? Is this what the Lord wants? Like, we are hungry for this family culture. We don't want members. We want family because members come and go, that family, but families stick together. Covenant means I'll take a bullet for you even if at times it's from you. Like, we want the real deal. We want to be authentic. We want vulnerability. We want transparency. We want relationship. We don't just want Sunday meetings. We don't want renters that just come and go and renters that just care about their deposit and what they can get out of something and then leave and move on. We want owners that will put a stake in the ground and say, yeah, this is family. This is covenant. It might cost me something, but 
we're in the same pursuit to go to God right now and then to be refined and empowered and equipped to do what we're called to do. All right, if that's you, this is the right place, you know? So we're pushing into this, and all of a sudden, Drew passes away, Christy's husband. Leaving church one day, young guy, young family, leading our school, helping with the youth, all these things. A key member of our leadership, a young man, a key person in the kingdom. And all of a sudden, everything changes when they, when they get in a car accident and he passes away after church on a Sunday. But it was this beautiful thing of what was sown into the ground and those seeds all of a sudden produced a harvest. And this fruit was revealed of the family and the covenant and the community that we had. People were at the hospital, people were at the morgue, people were at the funeral home, people, people were getting everything ready at the church for the funeral. Meal trains are happening for even Nicole and I, who are just helping with them. We have a meal train for weeks. It's all these things, and then all of a sudden, like, like it's this community is supporting, like, man, we're going after this. We're going to pray for raising dead now. We're, gonna, we we're going after trauma. We're going at, you know, it was a thing that fueled us to bring us together. And sometimes you don't know what you have until you need it. We didn't really need community or the depth of what was planted in the ground until that day. And all of a sudden, and I just remember a tangible thing in my heart. There was a true literal transformation that says, this is home. These are my people. This is my tribe. This is my family, and I'll die for them. And I remember thinking, like, being drawn, like, man, do I go? I had a lot of offers to, to go minister or pastor elsewhere. And, like, man, Lord, I'm, I'm just contending with the Lord on this. Like, is, is this because it was hard plowing and pushing and, and, and cultivating this culture? And at that moment forward, I've never looked back, and I never will. This is home. This is family. And this was worth fighting for. Amen. Family is confronting out of love. Family is love. Like, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about Paul defines what love is. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love, uh, love doesn't envy. Love doesn't boast. Love doesn't keep track and, and keep track of all wrongs and all these things about what love is, and it goes on. And I just, it's not only a, 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 an invitation for us to love in that way. I believe it's also the definition of God because God is love. So God is patient. God is kind. God is not full of envy. He doesn't boast. He, he doesn't keep track of our wrongs. So it's this definition. So God is love, and in God there is love, and family is love. So it's on this rock we'll build our church. On Jesus Christ is literally the rock that we build our church on. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Division will not prevail against it. The discord will not prevail against it. People talking bad about you guys will not go against it because I'll go fight for them. Isn't that funny in family? You, you, it's like every once in a while we'll, we'll like, I can say that about you, but if somebody else says that about you, it's on. No. uh they're amazing. I sometimes get these things like, oh, whoa, they're in church? Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's awesome. They have the best story ever. They're being transformed in the very presence of God and his nature. It's awesome. Oh, good. They needed it. We all do. Why don't you throw a stone? <laughs> he who's without sin cast the first stone. Don't you talk about my family like that? That's family. Family's love. Family's in the context of love, but family is not a performance system where you have to be perfect. Family's, listen, I might be your pastor. You can call me papa. You can call me mentor, coach. I don't care what you call me. I, I really don't. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I know. I got it. But I'm not your slave. 
It's not a performance system. This is one, one last thing I'll say as I go into the difference between culture and atmosphere and bank and come in just a moment. Here's the deal. It's not a performance system. We sometimes get people coming in, maybe musicians. Let's use that as an example. We'll get a musician comes in and, man, they've got the best sound. They've got all the pedals and it's great. And they're like, man, didn't I do good? I don't know your heart yet. What? Huh? What? Like, you, you sound great. It's amazing, man. You've really worked on your skill. It's awesome. But where's your heart? Is your heart to ours? Like, is your heart connected? Because we care more about your heart and family than we do about your skill. We care more about who you are. And, and like Bill Johnson says, he says, I'll, I'll buy into your vision when I know you've bought into my vision. It's this thing of like family. No, we're here to build each other up. And you could be the worst guitar player on the planet. And we've got heart connection. Like, we can work with that. I can't teach heart. You can be taught guitar. Like there's this thing of connection and submission and obedience and the value of family and the value of covenant. And that value I can't necessarily teach. I can demonstrate. And then you can draw a hunger for it. But you could be the best on the planet and not have a heart connection. And yeah, great. We'll put you up here. And then four weeks later, you find a better sound system elsewhere. And you're going to sound better there. So you leave. Why? Because you weren't family. We don't care about talent. I can teach talent. The Lord will give talent. And now there's something to be said about some of that. But the deal is this. There has to be a heart connection. We value that before we value what you can bring. We value who you are before we value what you can do. That's family. That's the Lord. It's not a performance system. But I did this. And man, it sounded like this. That's awesome. That's great. That sound great on a CD. But we want family. Let me move on here. Culture. Culture is what we establish. Atmosphere is what we are in. Okay? Atmosphere is the product of culture. Let, let me explain the difference. Culture is family, but atmosphere is what's created from the context of family of love, joy, peace, the environment of safety, the culture to where the atmosphere becomes free to where I can worship and express myself with a flag and no one's going to judge me. I can get up there and paint a piece of art, and even if it does or doesn't look good, I've already known that I'm loved and I'm cherished and I'm celebrated, not just tolerated. <sighs> Peter, like when he got out of the boat and walked on water, we want to focus on his failures because negativity sells more than positivity. We want to focus on that, but Peter found what he was looking for even when he failed. It was the hand of the Father. The story of the talents, like I mentioned several weeks ago, the story of the talents wasn't just about stewardship or generosity or using your, your skill and, and talents and anointing for God. It was a story of identity because they knew the ones that invested it or earned, they knew that even if they lost it all, the Father would still love them and that they didn't just know him as a master, they knew him as Savior, Lord, Father, Redeemer. That's family. Family means I can take a risk and even if I fail, I'm still going to be accepted and loved because I belong. I belong because I belong because I belong because I belong. Many people think they need to behave, then they'll belong. No, you belong in the element. That'll affect your behavior. Let me move on here. About culture. Culture is the foundation. Like culture is, is the establishment. Culture is the, the, the family piece. Like I'm not against structure. Let me just go there for a moment. A river is supposed to flow. The, the, the rivers that flow from the northern lakes or, say, Lake Erie, eventually it has to hit the ocean. Like, like that's our system. That's what happens. Without the banks, though, there'd be flooding and just swamps everywhere. 
There's, there's a purpose of structure. There's a purpose of being organized without becoming an organization. And this, this is adaptable to your home, your business, who you lead, and our church environment here. I love speaking on these things, even in the business realm, of the, the importance of heart connection and relationship versus just membership or employees. Employees will turn their back and go to the next place, paying them more or giving them a better thing. But families, when there's relationship and heart connection, we stick together and we press into that covenant and we've got your back and we're lifting you up even when you're not around. That's family. Family does that. Employees necessarily don't. Owners do that. Renters don't necessarily do that. There's a difference. There's a different mentality when I'm willing to die for you, when I'm willing to die with you. Like, like this thing about the bullet and the covenant. I'll take a bullet from you, even for you, even if it's from you, but I'll obviously take one with you. I'll go to war with you. We'll go to battle together. We will do this, and I am sold out to your vision. I heard Cheryl say she opened up a business. There was a big celebration with that. And recently, she was celebrating her employees, and she was saying, man, Amy says she'd work for me for free until this is fulfilled, bragging about her. That's because Amy's heart is after her heart, and they have the same dream because that's Cheryl's dream, and she's submitting to that dream. And now Cheryl's honoring Amy's dream and lifting. What happens is it's, it's this. That's family. Family says, man, I want to make my kids' dreams come true. And then the kids are saying, I want my dad's dreams to come true. Like right now, my, my dad's running for re-election. And, and our kids, as kids, we want his dream to come true. But at the same time, he's out there bragging about us and bragging about the church and all these things, right? So structure is not inherently bad. The problem is, structure should always build an atmosphere where the greatest commandment is facilitated. Jesus, number one. They were building a structure for their own agenda. They were building a structure, the Tower of Babel, for their own edification and to make themselves famous when God built a structure called family, us. So there's this thing with, with the, the culture, like we can create a culture to where maybe not everybody grows, a greenhouse effect. Greenhouse could have the perfect climate and there's still maybe a plant or two that doesn't survive, that doesn't, isn't all the way healthy. There's something, sometimes there's, there's those things. But we could create a culture though where nothing survived. If I pulled the electricity and we didn't heat that greenhouse, everything's gonna freeze, everything's gonna die. So I could be so devastating to create a culture where nothing lives. But I can't judge myself when there might be one that leaves. Or, but it's about a family of saying, okay, where's the front porch? Now these are things in structure where we can improve on as a church. Oh boy, I'm into the red now. I started a timer today. I'm like, I need to be better about my sense of time. First time I've looked at it, I'm like, oh man, I'm already in the red. I'm finishing. One of the things, like I'm not opposed to structure, so what we're trying to do is, okay, where are the front porches for people to know where the need is to serve to be part of the family? Like, and not just leave out the back door. Like, where, where are these processes? And we're trying to, to, to help with structure. Like a play, a sandbox is really good. It's, it cultivates play, creativity, community. Little kids play in sandboxes, right? Use their imagination. They dream. They're big trucks and little trucks and bulldozers. But without the sides in the sandbox, the sand just dissipates and becomes dirt. Structure is good as long as we're facilitating what the Lord's called us, and He is number one. So as a family, we gather around that. Now we're empowered and equipped to go be the disciples, be the Jesus people of who He's called us to be, wherever He's called us to be. That's family. And then in the process, we get to root each other on and champion each other as wherever we go. 
oh my gosh, you're a, you're a nurse and you saw healing last week for the first time ever? That's amazing. But it was a headache. That's awesome. You saw a headache get healed. Woo, yay Jesus, right? We celebrate even when they're small. And all of a sudden, more people start stepping out of the boat to take the risk because they know their identity as sons and daughters because in a family, they're learning that they're celebrated, not just tolerated. Why don't you stand with me? From Genesis 1, God created us in his image. Let us make man. In Genesis 11, man said, let us make a building for our image to improve. Then we go to Acts 2. This is closing. Acts 2, everybody spoke different languages, and all of a sudden they came together. Jesus promised that he was going to come, that somebody greater than he was going to come, Holy Spirit was going to come, pour out on all flesh. He was going to comfort, he was going to empower and all these things. So what happens is on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2 talks about this thing where they all came with different languages, started speaking in utterances or other tongues, and they all spoke the same language. God's heart's family. God's heart's to gather us in unity. God's heart is that we are one. So even though for strategy and what he had to do out of rebellion and different things in the Tower of Babel, then he gathered them back in family. And all of a sudden, they came and they sold everything. There is a cost to covenant. But then at the end, around the 38th chapter of Acts 2, it starts to talk about the rewards of covenant. And it starts to talk about thousands were added to them. It starts to talk about signs and wonders and miracles accompanied them. It said they lived in a realm of generosity. Joy followed them. You know, they had this sense of community. Now they sold it all. They sold everything they had to come together, and they gave it all. And everything one person had, they gave it all to the community, to the church. There's a cost of covenant, but there's a reward that's so worth it. We want to make sure we get things together, and we fix it, and, and blah, blah, blah. Listen, in Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel prophesies to these dry bones. They represent the structure. But Jesus was in the center because he says he speaks to the dry bones to come to life. And speaking in the realm of God being glorified, all of a sudden things happen and life comes from the structure that's developed. Now, we would want to make the, the body and make it pretty and, and bring skin on us and then pray them to life, right? That isn't how it happened. Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones. See, many of us, we just want to cover things up, even if it's not good yet, even if we're not healed yet, even if we're not healthy yet, even if we're not whole yet. And like, no, no, we're good, we're good. President, we're good, we're good, we're good. It's okay to not be good. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be imperfect because when you're in the structure of family, when you're in the foundation of family and God is the center of everything, it is okay. And all of a sudden you, you have the body coming together. You have the structure of the bones coming together and a community coming together to support one another, to support the skin and the life that's coming. I hope you're making some of these connections because for the sake of time, I don't have time to explain it all out, but God is bringing a structure it's a revival and it's across the nations and it looks like family and it's a revival of love it's a revival of power it's a revival of worship it's a revival of young people turning their hearts to the fathers and it's a revival of fathers and mothers turning their hearts to the children it is a revival that's happening but it looks like family love and honor look like something love looks like something it looks it's tangible and it looks like something the structure of church should be family shouldn't be business pray for you. And we're going to do one.
on activation to dismiss. Lord, I thank you for, for family. I thank you that you made us in your image. You made us for family, God. You made us for community. You made us to sharpen each other's iron. You made us, Lord, to, to lift each other up and to encourage one another, to be equipped and empowered to go to baptize people, to disciple people, to, 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 to reveal your love and your gospel and your goodness. Lord, we thank you that we can do that together. We thank you that we're not alone. We were never created to be alone. We thank you that you created helpmates for us. We thank you that you've placed us in, in communities that we can love our neighbors, ourselves, but we love you first. Jesus, as we pursue you, as we put you in the center, don't let anything cover that up. Don't let a structure take place of you, but let structure facilitate you as the center. We thank you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you for calling us at such a time as we thank you for starting with family, dying for your family, and returning.